Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Uh, as you can see from some of the uh, art behind us, if you're checking us out on YouTube, there's been a lot of news that have, that's come out in the last couple of weeks about big events, big things coming from DC. So, you know, Rocky's had some family stuff going on. We haven't had a chance to get together and, and podcast. So we still should have the regular DC spotlight coming up tomorrow on Tuesday, but we thought we'd drop an episode for you on Monday as well, just to bring you up to speed with what we have going on and talk a little bit about the state of DC because there's big, big news that has come up recently. So uh, we've got Death of the Justice League that Rocky has up there. We, uh, I think we mentioned it uh, on the last DC Spotlight, the Flashpoint Beyond that's coming up. We talked to Jeremy Adams, who's uh, one of the writers of that recently, an interview that'll be up later this week. Um, there's some books coming out that tie into the CW TV shows. There's a Flash movie that got announced for the DC Animated Universe. So there's a lot of stuff going on, um, which in a way is good, but I sort of have mixed feelings right now about DC. There's there's things that I don't that I don't like, and I'll talk about in a minute, but I'll, I'll throw it over to Rocky. Uh, what are your thoughts about all this recent DC news, Rock? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I do think that uh... – there's a lot. There's a lot to be hopeful for, but at the same time, I, and I think that I think that you know, followers or listeners to to your podcast and followers of uh, of of my YouTube channel, there, there there's a sense that continuity in the DC universe is a little wonky. So it, it's funny because there's there, there's so many you know reading every DC comic that comes out. You and I get a sense of 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 how things are interconnected, but there's a sense of uneasiness and wonkiness about it. And it's it's not always clear to me that that editorial <laughs> current DC editorial is that that the left hand always seems to be I don't know if they're really aware of what the right hand is doing, and um, it's it's it feels a little bit disjointed and and you know it, it's one of those things and and I've I've used the analogy with you before it's like it's sort of like being walking through a forest and you know. If, if you're not careful, you'll see a couple trees that are on fire. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the whole thing, the, the forest looks okay. You know, it's kind of intact. But, you know, in different pieces of it, it, it definitely, there's a lot of areas of concern. And and one of the areas of concerns that, that you know, and, and we'll be, uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up here is is sales. And, and I want to start off with that, if, if I can, Jace. I just want to start off with that first because I want to show I just want to show people on the, uh, I, I just wanted to, the, the concern that I have, and I just want to, for people in the podcast, uh, now Jason, I don't often, uh, you and I don't talk a lot about specific sales numbers because since March of 2020, the data has uh, from Comicron, John Jackson Miller, Comicron has been a little wonky uh, has because they, DC is no longer with Diamond. But I just want to say that in, in September of, of 2021, there was only five DC comics that that sold above fifty thousand. That was Batman issue one fifteen, Joker issue seven, Nice House on the Lake, Batman and Catwoman number seven, I Am Batman number two, and Deathstroke Incorporated number one. That was in that was now that was in September of twenty twenty one, and uh, those are the only ones that sold above fifty thousand. And there was a whole slew of DC comics, the core DC line that sells under thirty one thousand. Is Flash, Wonder Woman, Titans United, Green Lantern, Swamp Thing, Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, Black Manta, Superman and the Authority, 
uh, Action Comics, Future State Gotham, Blue and Gold, Batman v. Bigby, Batman Superman, Superman 78, Aquaman the Becoming, Justice League, Justice League Last Friday, Shazam, Checkmate, Wonder Woman, Black and Gold, Crush and Lobo, Icon and Rocket, and Pennyworth, all under 31000 and Pennyworth was selling at 11000 up to 31000 I wanted to quickly mention those things. Uh, and, uh, because a lot of these, this is the area of concern. And in some circles, people are, are, are really worried because there used to be the core, that middle core DC line was in the 40,000 up range. And now we're, now it's, it's slow to creeping down. And the top 50 is increasingly filled with Marvel and more and more independent comics. And the fear is, you know, Jace, you and I are very optimistic about DC and, but I'm, you know, I don't. My fear is a lot of people aren't like you and I, where we see, you know, we look at it and we, we, we choose the glass is half full as opposed to half empty. And I'm concerned about it. And I'm, you know, and we'll get in and I'm hoping that these events that we're going to be talking about, the Flashpoint Beyond, the Death of the Justice League and the Flash, you know, leading into the sort of the Flash movie, the Flash prologue into the movie and Trial of the Amazons, Aquaman, uh, War for Earth 3. I hope these don't feel like just cheap gimmicky stunts. I don't think they are. I hope not. But these are my concerns. So sorry, Jace. I know that was a little long-winded of me, but uh, I wanted to. I wanted to establish that that th there's some real-world wor economics here that I'm concerned about as well, and that I'm extrapolating from the data that we do have. And uh, I don't know. Am I am I being a worry wart, or what do you think? You know, it's, it's pretty interesting when we we start talking about sales. Um, so let's let's set the sales numbers aside for just a minute, and let's just talk about creative content, right? Like yeah. we do the DC Spotlight every every Tuesday. We read every single DC book. Well, ninety eight percent of the books, you know, and don't read Looney Tunes or Scooby Doo or, or you know stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but we, for the most part, we read every book that comes out, and we try to be fair and critique it. We know no one's out to you know make a bad comic. But I would say at this point, you know, we we did the entire entirety of, of 2021. We never missed a week. Uh, you know, I know you had to go solo once or twice. I had to go solo once or twice because life happens. But but we never missed a week. Now, that being said, and as a fan of DC, more so than Marvel these days, um, I feel like DC's putting out too many books. There's 18 books this week. That's just too many. And what I find interesting about this is when... You know, I, I was the first one to say when AT&T bought DC that, they, that DC was in trouble. It wasn't going to be a good thing to have this big corporate overlord. And we saw that play out in various ways to the point where AT&T didn't know what the hell they were doing, fired a bunch of people, um, and then didn't still running around like a chicken with its head cut off, still didn't know what to do, threw up their hands in the air and sold it off to Discovery. You know, let Discovery buy a controlling interest. Now... I know this stuff's kind of boring, but just bear with me because it, it, it has real impact, real-life impact on, on creators' livelihoods and whatnot. So DC has sold a controlling interest to Discovery, right? So AT&T is – did I say Disney? AT&T has sold a controlling interest of, of Warner Brother Media to Discovery. So that AT&T is still the majority – uh, shareholder, but they are relinquishing control. They're letting dis they're taking a bunch of money from Discovery and and saying to Discovery, we're AT and T. We are, I think for the last I think it's twelve years now, thirteen years. 
they've been voted the worst run company in the world. Like yeah. this is not for me. It's from business people are saying this. Yeah. Like I'm not <laughs> being metaphorical here. They have been AT&T has been voted as the worst run Fortune 500 company in the world for over a decade. Yeah. They really they're so big. They're not nimble. They they constantly make stupid mistakes that cost money like buying DirecTV for whatever it was, $8 billion. And then a few years later, it was not even worth a billion. That That's just pissing money away. They don't know. They're too big and it leads to, to mistakes, right? So they didn't know what to do with Warner Media. Discovery is a media company. Okay. Let, we don't know what we're doing. I mean, actually a smart choice for once from AT&T. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to run a media company. Let's, let's get an infusion of capital from Discovery and let them run it and hopefully they can return profitability to Warner Brothers Media and it looks good, right? Like as good as it will be, as good as uh, Warner Brother Media being profitable will be for Discovery with their interest in the company, it'll be even better for AT&T because AT&T is still the majority stockholder. So I say all that to say this, it takes a long time to get these business deals done. Discovery has made no concrete decisions or, or made nothing that's impacted DC Comics. DC Comics is sort of like a rudderless ship right now in terms of, you know, who's calling the shots business-wise. We know Marie Javins is the editor-in-chief. She's making the call on a day-to-day -day basis, but who's who's directing her? Pamela Lyford, my, from my understanding, has been kind of hands-off since this, uh, you know, this sale to, uh, to Discovery, Discovery's interest coming in because uh, she doesn't know what they're going to want to do. And they hired uh, Daniel Cherry, uh, who came from Activision and the eSports to hopefully increase their digital footprint. That didn't really happen. So there's all these darts that they've been throwing at the wall, but nothing has, has really stuck because there's constantly shifting parts. And it's just the way you know corporate business is sometimes. So I think they're putting out too much content. What's interesting is remember when they laid everybody off and, and they, Jim Lee himself in that, I think it was a Hollywood Reporter article, talked about cutting the bottom, what do you say, bottom 10, 20, 15%, whatever it was. They're yeah. going to get rid of the low sale, selling titles and focus on the really good stuff, right? One of the things I'll give Jim Lee a lot of credit for is the fact that even when the pandemic shut things down, he never told any of his staff pencils down. He allowed them to keep working. They got ahead. They got a lot of stuff done. I don't know if some of this lower quality stuff that's coming out is a product of that. But there's just there's too much DC content right now, and a lot of it is 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 average, you know. Like they really do need to trim the line back and say let's focus on the good stuff. But again, you want to talk about a rudderless ship. Marie Javin's calling the day to day, but you know she doesn't decide how many titles are are being put out or not. That's not up to her. I don't. From my understanding, this Daniel Cherry guy never even picked up a comic. And if you haven't heard, listeners, he quit. He left. He 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 bailed. He's going to go work for uh, for Kanye West now. So this guy that was supposed to be a big get is leaving. So I'm right there with you, Rocky. I'm worried about DC. I'm worried about DC. Like beyond you know the events and the, maybe the comics aren't as good as they could be or what have you but it ju they just seem to be making these really strange business decisions and it's not that i think all this stuff that they're putting out is bad but there's no reason that you can't bank some of the stuff and not 
be glutting the market because what you're doing, you're competing with yourself, right? There's a lot of brand loyalty when it comes to Marvel and DC. So something like, you know, the, the green arrow Aquaman deep target that's coming out. Why is that coming out right now? You know, is it an interesting story? Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Is it blowing me away? No. Why is it coming out right now? when there's so many other titles coming out like that to me that's something okay it's six issues it's 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 self-contained it doesn't seem to tie into anything like bank that bank that for you know a little later i i, I don't i don't know i i'm i'm worried as well right i i just i don't i don't know what they're doing because they talked about wanting to focus on the you know a certain threshold of titles focus on quality over quantity that's what jim lee said and it really feels like they're doing the exact opposite of that right now. Would you agree? Well, I, I, I don't. <clears throat> yeah, well, I would agree that if they're trying to focus their main line, if they're trying to focus their main line there, it, it, it does. It doesn't really feel focused. Continuity wise, it, it, it feels very wonky and it it, it actually feels it almost kind of feels like they're doing the DC Omniverse thing where everything matters, but it it does feel very sporadic. There there isn't a lot of connection between the titles. The writers, I don't think, are communicating with each other, even when apparently they're supposed to be communicating with each other. Like for Trial of the Amazons, there there's not much connect of there's there's not enough of a connection between Wonder Girl, between uh Nubia and between uh you know Nubian and the Amazons and Wonder Woman, it's it, it there, something does feel off, and I, I, I editorially I, I think things things do seem to be a little bit wonky, and it d- does seem to be a little bit off. But I I I think that there's it's funny. I, I kind of know what you mean. Like I'm 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 inclined not to agree with you, but yet I can kind of see where you're coming from because. There are so many titles, like you said, this week, 18 titles we're reviewing. And and yet there is very little, there, there's no connection between these titles pretty much. I mean, Wonder Girl number seven, Human Target, Superman and Robin, Task Force Z, Teen Titans Academy, Flash 778, Superman 78, Robin 10. None of these have any connections to each other. And yet at the same time, uh, at the same time, I suppose that might be a good thing for new readers because you, you can buy each individual one of these titles and probably and, and get right into them without really necessarily knowing anything about any of the other comics. So I mean, I and I think I think that's a potentially it's it's a good thing. It's um, it's a very precarious time, but but because I got to tell you when I look when I look at the competition, the distinguished competition, Marvel Marvel's got stuff that's all over the place too in terms of that they're mass publishing all kinds of different titles and they seem to be having the same types of, uh, I don't know, like they're, I mean, the, the continuity over at Marvel might be a little bit more tight, but, um, I, yeah. I, and it's not, yeah, this isn't, I, I, I don't mean to say that this is, this problem is unique to, to DC and what's interesting. So I, I should mention everybody. There's a, there's an interview I did with Christopher priest at the end of last week. That's also out today. Uh, so I encourage you to go listen to that priest had a couple of really interesting things to say, um, about very various, various things. Um, 
And one of them, you know, he's been around for, for decades. You know, this guy started Marvel Comics like 1970, 69, something like that. He's been around, he's been an editor, you know, he's been through the wars. Um, and he specifically was talking about this idea of overloading, o- overloading the market, so to speak. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he was, they're fully aware of it. They're fully aware of it. But, you know, I'll mention specifically two of the things he said. Number one, he said... He feels it's it's wrong, all the pressure that's being put on the the comic divisions of both Marvel and DC to make money, right? He's like these movies, based on the properties that come from these comics, make billions, billions. We know, we now know as 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 of this recording that uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home is the sixth highest grossing film of all time. So billions, right? So what what these even if you even if these comics on on their best day on their best day you know going back decades the money they made was a drop in the bucket compared to what these movies make so he specifically named cb sobolski he's like why is there pressure on cb to make these profit these comics profitable you're making your money in other places disney don't worry about the comics. Think of it as a loss leader. You, you're going to keep making comics because it's generating IP that has value somewhere else. Don't even worry about if the comics make money or not. I can see Disney, you know, being able to swallow that pill a little more than AT&T for the reasons we already talked about. AT&T is vastly in the red as opposed to Disney's. Disney's got a higher valuation. So that was one of the things he mentioned. The other thing he mentioned is how much they are aware of this pressure. So do you remember Rocky in the which I don't know if you've read the entire Deathstroke run by Christopher Priest, but it, I love it. It's I think the best thing that Priest has ever done. It's fantastic. But you remember there was the the storyline in there where uh, he introduced the idea that Damien was maybe uh, Slade Wilson's son. Yeah. Oh yeah. As, yeah. I thought that was a great. He, I, I thought that was yeah. a great. Uh, he he ran that all the way up the the flagpole, and he want he wanted it to stick. Like he wanted in the end what he had to do editorially mandated was say, no, Damien really is Bruce Wayne's son. <laughs> to me, it would make more sense because Slade's kind of a dick and we know Damien's yeah. a dick. It would have been, and I, I made the comment while Christopher and I were talking that that would have opened up the avenue for like years and years worth of stories if Damien turned out to really be Slade's. Just because he's the biological father doesn't mean Bruce isn't still his his father, yeah. you know, emotionally and, and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, so that was interesting that he wanted to do that. And Dan Didio uh, eventually was like, no, we have problems or we have plans for Damien and, you know, maybe years later with what Williamson's doing, but uh, they just, whatever, Dan had the final call and Dan said no, because Dan didn't want to do it basically. Yeah. (laughs) So later, uh, Christopher Priest is at lunch with uh, CB Sobolski and I think he said Tom Brevoort. And and Christopher Priest tells this to Dan to uh, to uh, CB and and Tom Brevoort about how he would have wanted to make uh, Damien like permanently Slade's son, and asks he's like he asks CB he's like well, what would you have said you know if I came to you with that idea CB is like oh we would have milked the shit out of that <laughs> right is that, yeah. is that not what Marvel does right you come yeah. up with a good idea and then it would have been a a year long event and yeah so. But again, it, it's all it's all pressure to to make these comics profitable, and I, I really don't feel I, I agree with Christopher Priest. It's not fair anymore because the landscape has changed. The landscape of entertainment has changed, and I love the fact that comic writers and artists are paid more now, and the art is so 
the art is so different in a comic now than it was, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when it was smaller panels on newsprint, not as detailed, colors were washed out. It's so much different now. You can't, you almost can't compare them. But to, to force these comics to, to be profitable with all this competition and this kind of binge attitude that people have, it's, I think it's, I think it's destructive, you know? And, and the other thing, and uh, I'll, I'll let you comment on it. Um, the other thing that, that priest was talking about was the fact that now that these IPs are worth so much, and we've talked about it a bunch of times, the creators don't have as much freedom to do what they want to do. Cause there's the corporate overlords looking down, like, well, you can't damage this property. Then we can't put it on TV or we can't do this or do that. Or, you know, constantly <laughs> at one point, Christopher said, yeah, I, I wanted to do this one thing and, and Marvel had to run it by standards and practices and, you know, they shot it down or whatever. And <laughs> I said, I'd like Christopher, think about what you just said. You're writing a comic and the script has to be run by standards and practices. <laughs> think about when you first broke into comics, how ludicrous that idea would be, right? It's yeah. insane. Yeah, no, it is. But, you know, that's that's the nature of comics. But, you know, at the same time, that's the nature of continuity. And, and, and you know, I guess that's the challenge of it. But, you know, I do think, though, that, you know, I mean, look, comic books, I, I agree with you that, uh, you know, the, the huge corporations own DC and Marvel. So they probably are, they, they probably are maybe less concerned about making money than, then maybe we give them credit for per se. I mean, they're, they're, I think they, 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 I always, I always think sometimes we, we insult uh, Marvel and DC editorial. And at the same time, I think maybe we don't give them enough credit. I, I think they, they're not idiots. They know what's going on behind the scenes. They know the real numbers and they're still in business. I mean, they're still, they might be, maybe comic books are a lost leader. I mean, how, how, how often have we always said that? Well, comics are just a lost leader. Well, they still want to make money. Marvel Comics Division still makes money. DC Comics Division still makes money. I mean, so they're, they are making money. Now, they're, maybe they're making less in some years than in other years. But uh, I know what you're saying. It's, you know, it's, I remember some comments made by Rob Layfeld in Rob Servations in his podcast. He was saying that he remembers a talk he had with Paul Levitz. And this was uh, prior to the new 52 when the new 52 took off. He said, Paul Levitz was very, very comfortable being in second place to Marvel. And, and they relished that spot. They, there was no expectation. They could do what they want. They had their niche. They had their niche and they mm -hmm. could, they could curate that and they could, and they, you know, they, they weren't, they were only competing with themselves. And if they were second place in sales, okay, okay fine. They're second place in sales, but they focused on their quality in their universe. And one, one, one of the things that the new in Rob Layfeld's opinion, and I, and I actually agree with him on this. Uh, at least he convinced me with his argument anyway, that he says once the new 52 began, that the one bad thing about it was that once DC corporate got a taste of being number one for those three or four months, and it actually wasn't a long time that they were number one, contrary to what people seem to remember. Uh, once they got the taste of being the top dog, they they didn't they they couldn't let go of it, and in in a sense, they really they still haven't, and they're they're trying now to always outdo each other. And I think that mentality is sort of you know they've forgotten that you know hey it's it's about the story, stupid, you know, uh, focus on the story and focus on that, and you know. You know, being more positive, I, I do think, I actually do think that what's coming up here, you know, 
as crazy as it is, why it might feel like a mishmash. And some people, you know, right now, a lot of people are getting down on DC. I think that this death of the Justice League has got some potential here. I think it actually makes sense. I think it's kind of rehashing some 5G storylines. Some so we, we, I, I noticed that a lot of these 5G storylines that were rumored were, were getting shades and di- were sort of getting fragments of what was 5G in this. And I think Death of the Justice League taking nine out of, you know, taking Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Arrow, Bla- uh, Black Canary, Hawkgirl, Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, Arthur Curry off the table. Zatanna comes back. It's going to allow, you know, John Kent, Chase Fox, uh, Yara Floor, uh, you know, probably even Naomi and, you know, uh, other, other people to come to the to forefront. And we're going to, we're going to get that for a while. And we're going to, it's, it might feel a little bit like an all new, all different kind of Marvel. And everybody puts that down when Marvel tried it. But I, I do think that we're, you know, I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm looking back at the stories that are happening right now, I do think that people are going to look back on Jeremy Adams' flash run. It's going to, I think, it, w- w- with a smile on their face. Same with Suicide Squad. I'm looking forward to War on Earth, uh, War for Earth Three. Uh, I do think Flashpoint Beyond is going to be something that will be memorable. And and you know, don't kid yourself. This death of Justice League might be Joshua Williamson. I have some faith in here. Where we got the classic DC crisis coming along. We got this new legacy heroes coming along. Where we got some attempt to. We got some attempt to actually, God forbid, you know, uh, actually have some nice prequel comics going into the Flash movie. We're in a state of change here. We're evolving. And this isn't necessarily business as usual. And I do think that DC, as crazy as as a as a corporate corporately disorganized as maybe they are now, and maybe even will be more when Discovery comes along, you never know here. I mean, uh, you know, right now things are in a state well, of flux, but at least at least things are changing. I mean, there is movement here, and and if they are failing, hopefully they're failing upward. I mean, you know, maybe they'll learn something. I I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, I I get what you're saying, but in a lot of ways, it feels like they're just throwing everything but the kitchen sink, you know, at this problem. Like let let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And and again, I think that's a that's a product of, of somewhat of a rudderless ship. You know, they don't have a, a Dan Didio with a strong vision because you're right. Like a lot of these ideas seem really good, but there's no, there's no focus. And, and how can, again, you know, DC, that's the continuity place to go where the stories are all tied in, but yeah. Like, so how, like, so we're getting death of the justice league. Then we also have the war for earth three. Uh, and then we, we saw that in a recent solicit for the latest, or up, an upcoming issue of Batman, Lex Luthor's in the Batman suit. So does Batman die and Lex takes over as Batman? But then Yara, the Yara Floor series just got canceled, and we still have um, Justice League Incarnate going on and the Infinite Frontier storyline going on. So, uh, and, and we have a new Birds of Prey series coming out, and we have Aquaman becoming, and we have Trial of the Amazons. It's like all these little mini events. Like, I, I would, I would almost prefer if we had like a bigger event that tied these in. So I kind of understood where all these stories go, you know, like I'm not looking for a giant crossover. I got to spend like $300 to, to read the whole thing. Um, But, you know, DC is known for doing those. You mentioned yourself, this upcoming 
crisis that we're going to get later this year. When when's that going to come? Because all this stuff's about to kick off in like April. So is it going to be a, in the yeah. toward the you know later part of the summer? Because usually it's it's more like a June launch for for some of this stuff. But this these storylines aren't going to be done in time. We know Joshua Williams had said there's not going to be a Justice League title for a while. So I mean, if there's anything I'm looking forward to from a classic crisis point of view is to have like at least more of a clean a clean slate and I, I, this death of the just like i it is fun that they're doing it on the 30th anniversary of the death of superman i like that but man i mean talk about a cliche everybody at this point knows that death in comics means uh means absolutely nothing but and wonder woman was just dead you're killing her again already i don't know how they got john stewart to be the green lantern that died how did they get that past jeffrey thorne how is how has he not quit in protest yet over killing John Stewart. I, well, he I might not. Know. He might not even have a job by the time this comes out. I mean, I don't know if his, if his contract has his Jeffrey Thorne's contract been renewed past issue twelve or thirteen for for Green Lantern. I don't even know that. I mean, plus if if, if even if it is, I mean, he's got a he's got Joe Mulene, Teen Lantern. He's got. Uh, I mean, there's. I know, but is he, he Joe, John Stewart's his boy? I I would think he would quit and quit in protest. I really do. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I just I just want to uh, I just want to point give you a little bit of pushback on your comment because it seems to me that I mean, I mean, I, I would think you'd be happier with the smaller events because I'm actually happier that we have a smaller event like War for Earth three. It's like five issues long. It isn't 12 issues that's going to take forever in a day. I like that we've got a smaller event, Trial of the Amazons, which is, again, two bookend, two bookend issues and some, some filler issues. So I would agree with that if it was – so, I mean, if, if, uh, if you're having an event that's five issues long, but it's happening all in one book, that's yeah. five months. That's, that's half a year. To me, that's not a quick – you know, that's not a quick Well, no, no, yeah. but this, no, but I don't think Trial of the Amazons is, is, it's actually going to, I think every set, every two weeks, because it's, I think it's only going to be like a month and a half or two month, a, a two month event. Same with right. uh, War for Earth 3. So, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I just, I kind of prefer the impression I'm getting is, and this is where I'm not sure I agree with you about, like, I actually, I actually, because comic books are expensive. I mean, to have a series of mini events, I would rather, I kind of like the idea of a series of mini events that are five or six issues long and that you, you don't have to invest in the entire line and have one major event with a billion crossovers linked to that one event. In, in this case, I kind of like the idea, at least in theory, uh, again, if the story sucked, that's not good, but you know, assuming the stories are good, right? Fingers crossed, knock on wood. But I mean, a nice sort of mini event of Trial of the Amazons, War for Three, you got your Flashpoint Beyond, and then you have the summer event, which, and even the summer event, I'm getting the impression might be kind of self-contained because even going into the summer event, the, you know, the Act One, Act Two, and, and then Act Three, which starts with Death of Justice League, I'm getting the sense that that in itself is its own little event and it's not necessarily going to be connected to maybe some of the other mainstream uh, issues. So I think that I'm not, you know, I don't know if this, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe this will work. I don't, I can't say at this point that this will suck. <laughs> it might work. Uh, and I'm really curious to see how it turns out. This trial of the Amazons war for earth three. I'm really curious. And uh, uh, you know, 
I don't know. I'm. I guess I'm. I'm hoping to be optimistic. I'm hoping the story is good because I tell you, if the story is good on Trial of the Amazons, even though the bleeding has been wonky, if the story is good on War for Earth three, uh, and that formula works, and then and if the summer crisis that's coming up, which begins with Death of the Justice League, if Williamson can nail that, uh, DC might end up ending 2022 much better than they ended 2021. Oh, I'm I'm all for that. I'm 100 percent for that. Um, I think it's weird if you go into a big classic crisis event with the Justice League dead. Uh, that that's strange. But hey, we need something different. They've done it before with the big. They've done big crisis events with the biggest heroes before. So why not do it differently? Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. And I'm all for, I, you know the fact that we just found out that Trial of the Amazon kicks off with a murder. Like from everything that was hinted at, it was this idea of this trial, this trial by combat to find out who's going to be the new guardian of the Do- of Doom's doorway. And now all of a sudden, this wrinkle of some murder going in. So yeah, I mean, hopefully it's good. The War for Earth three, I'm less excited about, but that mostly has to do with my dislike for Amanda Waller. But that's not to say that Suicide <laughs> Squad ha- hasn't been, you know, amazing. That's yeah. been it's been fantastic. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for that well, uh, as well. But I do sort of the the thing that throws the monkey wrench in it for me mostly is is the story that Williamson was telling in Infinite Frontier. Um, you know, well, basically coming from dark knight death metal into infinite frontier and now into justice league incarnate because it's that seems to be at the heart of this idea that everything counts and everything's a multiverse and everything's an omniverse i almost feel like in a way scott snyder and don't get me wrong i love i love scott scott's the man uh and i he's the best i I love him uh i feel like he, he was a little burnt out at dc uh and and I know not all of it was his fault because he's gone on record as saying they, because of all the turmoil at DC in 2020, the expectations and the requirements for his Dark Knight death metal series kept changing. And it, and it hurt, it obviously it hurt the quality of the series, but in a lot of ways, Scott like dropped a grenade and, and left, right? This whole idea of the quote he gave when talking about, you know, breaking the source wall and it, it, that actually happened in metal was he would say, think of the DC universe as a fishbowl containing the entire DC multiverse. And what putting a crack in the source wall did was basically take that fishbowl and dump it into the ocean, right? Now there's an infinite number of multiverses and you can tell all these stories and everything counts. And it was a way for DC to try to have its cake and eat it too. But in reality, to make that work is really messy. And in a way, I feel like what all this shuffling around and all these different sort of stories and how nothing seems like it connects anymore is all a product of that. So the question is, can you put that genie back in the bottle? Do they really even want to? Yeah, no, it's, it's good. And, and just to carry on that, uh, that metaphor there, it's sort of like, you know, you got, if you got, you got this wonderful color of water in the fishbowl and you dump it into the ocean and suddenly you got a mixture of all these vibrant colors, but the problem is that if you mix all vibrant colors into one one bowl, you just got one color. You don't have yeah. multiple colors anymore. You don't have that variety that people are, are used to. And and we we've said that we've said it before and many people have said it, but you know, on the one hand we can say that well when everything matters in the DC omniverse, everything matters. Well, that sounds good, but if everything matters, well, that equals to nothing matters, really. Yeah, nothing has, and, then if and everything matters, the, nothing has any emphasis. That that that's right. Now, you know, everything's on the same level. Yeah. No, I know. Now, 
I think if it works, see, here's, here's where I get, I get, I have a, such a hard time. Or I, I know I sound maybe like I'm contradicting myself or paradoxical or what have you, but as much as I'm, I'm sitting here and we're, we're sort of airing on, we're sort of like talking about the negative side of this and our worries about the DC universe. Now I got to say that I, there's a part of me that really likes, I, I really like the black label stuff. I kind of like that we're getting these different stories. I kind of like uh, out of the blue, we'll, we'll get something kind of wacky, like a, the, the Harley Quinn and uh, the, the cartoon comic. And I, the, you know, DC is always known for that. And so I kind of, I kind of like that. I, I like that. And I don't, I don't want them to turn away from that. Even Mark Wade coming out with, you know, with his own sort of like his, his uh, world's finest with, yep. with Batman and Superman. And he's, and he's, and he's choosing, he's chosen to use the classic Superman uh, and classic Batman. And, you know, he's got his own way of approaching. I kind of like that. And so every now and then I, I get a sense that I, I do think that, for the most part, most of DC editorial, dare I say, I think they kind of they I think they get it. They they get the gist of it in terms of what the DC. If the DC Omniverse is going to work, if everything matters is going to work, it can still it can matter. Where if I can get into a story and I love that story and it pulls me into that universe, the fact that it's not connected to a larger continuity, I can I can live with that. Uh, I just, I wish they would make it. I think we're, I think so much of this is editorial. I, I think what DC needs, Jim Lee needs to step up to the plate. They need a voice. They need a figurehead to say, guys, look, this is our plan. You know, like when we interviewed Jeremy Adams, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give everybody any spoilers, but uh, uh, Jace was nice enough to, uh, to partner with him to uh, interview Jeremy Adams. And that'll be coming out on uh, Thursday. And, uh, Great interview, but you know it, it frustrates me when Jeremy Adams doesn't know what the sales are on the Flash, or or Jeremy I, Jeremy Adams is such a positive and passionate creator. But I I got a sense in that interview. I don't know about you that Jeremy Adams has too many question marks in his head in terms of what his future is at DC, and he shouldn't have those question marks. They they should know. You know what I mean? Like I I uh, I just yeah. Well, remember he he said he even said that they they only want writers to be on a book for about a year and a year and a half. Like what, what, how, if you're like, how can you even plan anything like year and a half? Like I remember when Jane, Dwayne Duffy, you know, fa fantastic guy, yeah. uh, you know, really, really talented creator when he got put on justice league and he never even got to do any of the stories he wanted to do. Cause the whole time he was on there, it was like one event tying after another, you know? So you, year and a half. And then, you know, you got, Oh, well, three issues you are going to cross over with this. And then, mm. you know, two months later you're crossing over with that. And, like how can you even how can you even tell a story yeah. if you're only going to be on something for like a year and a half? Like if somebody has a lot of good ideas, you know, and and again that 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 could be another part of what like the uh, the fallout from this you know infinite number of multiverse. Now 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 the scale is too big, you know. There's there's almost too there's no restriction. I don't want to say there's no restrictions because obviously there's editorial restrictions based on the value of the IP, like we're saying. But again, I think it. I'll I'll go back to what I said before. There's there's no there's no vision. There's no focus. You know, like what are you, what are you guys building toward? Well, on the other hand, there's less. 
Uh, if you look at the flash, it doesn't appear to be a great deal of editorial interference on the flash. Jeremy, the flash is not a, is not one of the members who gets killed in the Justice League. So Jeremy Adams seems to be able to carry through his flash story when he wants. Batman, I mean, I get a sense that Williamson on Batman is still going to, you know, that story is going to be playing out. A Superman and Action Comics and War World, that's playing out. Uh, Justice, uh, what Williamson is building toward with his crisis with Justice League Incarnate, it's Justice League Incarnate, the members of that that have been dealing with the multiversal crisis leading into the summer event, as opposed to the main mainstream DC DCU characters. So uh, I actually think that in, in, in a positive way that there hasn't been, I, I think on the individual titles, I think there's been minimal editorial interference other than maybe with the bat titles regarding fear state but for the rest of it you know superman wonder becky clunan and conrad on wonder woman have been doing their own thing notwithstanding trial of the amazons leading into that i think uh flash even green lantern jeffrey thorne has been left largely untouched in terms of what he wants to do there there's been uh there with dc so far since since future state i think there's been a large amount of editorial Pardon me, a large amount of creative freedom uh, that. Yeah, has, I would agree. I agree uh, with that. You know what I mean? Now, you know, you know, it, mileage can vary. Individuals, we can agree or disagree in terms of how good the stories have been, but that's not. But that's not from anything that has been. You know, there's been nothing impairing the writers from telling the best story that they want to put out, and so that's why I see. Like, I, I think that. The structures that are in place and and right now, I think that I think that what's in place right now isn't a bad thing if it carries forward. It's just a question of are the stories any good? It still comes down to are the stories any good? And 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 dare I say something a little controversial here because you and I have been generally positive and we you know we and when we talk about the creators and everything. But I just want to show I just want to show a, a thing for those in the. Uh, in the last in the last two and a half years, I just wanted to do a list of writers that has left DC, uh, and uh, in the that has left DC Comics in the last two and a half years. Sam Humphreys, J. J. Willow Wilson, Dan Abnett, Scott Lobdell, Benjamin Percy, Justin Jordan, Steve Orlando, Cecil Castelluni, Marguerite Scott, Christopher Priest, uh, Scott Peterson, Adam Glass, Rob Williams, Mike Barr, Frank Thierry, Mark Andreco. Jeff Barker, Jeff Loveness, Keith Giffen, Keith Corson, Brian Hill, Peter Tomasi, Matt Fraction, Greg Rocca, Jeff Johns, although he's coming back, Scott Snyder, and James Tiny in the fourth, although Tanyan's uh, coming back with a Sandman project. But you get my point that you know there's been a there's been a huge creative shuffle here, and I think for the most part we've gotten new writers, and I think that you know they are new, and I think generally they've done a fairly competent to good job. But it, it is, you know, it is worth pointing out that a lot of talent was sort of cleared off the table to make way for the new. And, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if, if there's going to be a reevaluation of that clearing of the table in the, in the, in, in the next year or so. In, and just, you know, and looking at the sales in terms of editorially, the decisions that, that AT&T will make and then or Discovery will make. Discovery will make once they come in and do some corp, some undoubtedly more corporate reshuffling. It's going to be very interesting to see if they're going to be making the same types of decisions or if they're going to be making different ones. Yeah, and it's not that I I want more editorial interference. I guess I'm what I'm saying is I I want 
and I don't even want to say editorial oversight, but I, I would like to see the universe feel like it's a little more connected than it is. Cause right now it does, like you were saying, they, they don't, the books don't feel connected at all. So I almost think of it like, like somebody needs to be in that Kevin Feige role, you know, like Kevin Feige, the way he oversees the entire MCU. And it doesn't mean every movie has to cross over with every other movie, but they're all, and they don't even have the same tone. Some movies are, you know, more serious and some movies are more, have more humor or whatever, but at least he, he's the visionary. He's the one that knows where it's all going so that at certain points they can tie in. That's what I'm, what I'm talking about. And I think that's what Dan did a really good job of, right? Like sitting the staff down and saying, okay, here's where we are now. Where, where are we going? You know, okay, we're, we're, we're heading toward a final crisis. We're heading toward, you know, uh, infinite crisis. We're heading toward countdown, you know, what, whatever, whatever the, the event is, we're, we're heading toward one year later. Um, but right now it's like, is that, is that Joshua Williamson? Well, because he, he's just a writer. I know they've given him a lot of power to, to kind of steer things. And I think you need somebody above that level, right? You need somebody at like more of an executive level. So I, I, and I don't know who that, who that person is. Obviously we, you know, Jim Lee would be a possible person. It, I don't feel it really suits his strengths. And I, I feel like Jim would probably be the same one to say that as well. You know, he's, he's great with the business stuff. He's great with the artistic side of stuff, but I don't really see him as somebody that's, you know, a really great writer who, you know, like, like Jeff Johns would obviously be a perfect person. Like I think a lot of us know how much Jeff, loves uh dc but it's not it's not, he's not interested in doing that anymore you know yeah. he's he's moved on he's got movie and tv stuff i mean great he's coming back with an, another project but and we've had this conversation a ton of times about yeah. who who could we have you know get in there and, and be that editor-in-chief that we said now marie javins is is the editor-in-chief now and she's definitely a comic book person but she's definitely more in the traditional role of a behind the scenes sort of editor-in-chief just like bob harris was they keep the trains running on time, right? And we've talked about the difference between Marvel and DC with editor, between editor-in-chief and publisher. Um, but yeah, who's that person that, that has the vision? Yeah. You know, who's that Who's that Dan Didio that's drumming up the excitement for the books and and is, you know, getting everybody, on, getting all the creators on the same page well, and you I, know, thinking about where they're headed? Yeah. I, I, who, you know, we should have a, you know, it, actually... Kevin Feige is sort of like the Stan Lee of the MCU, but for, yeah. for the movies, you know, and whatever happened to the notion of having like a, a, a Stan Lee, even for Marvel, like who even speaks like he, he, even, even CB salute, Sabluski. Sabluski. Yeah. He's, he's, he's been quiet since early yeah, 2020. They've all Very been quiet. quiet. It's like, I, I don't know. Are, are they, are they just, are they, it seems corporations now, it's like they're afraid to say anything because they're, and maybe it's our fault. Maybe it's the fans. We're, we're too toxic. We take everything they say so goddamn seriously. Maybe we're, maybe we just, we're too damn hard on them, you know? And, and maybe it is our fault and, you know, but it's, it would be nice to have somebody who is passionate and just like even Jim Lee, like, you know, the guy, the guy at Comic-Cons is so great at Comic-Cons. He interacts with fans at Comic-Cons so well. He, he really is great. He, 
And yet, and yet as a PR person, he's so silent all the time and, and say what you will about Dan Didio, but the guy had a passion and he talked about comics and he, he wasn't afraid to engage the, the audience and engage and talk about comics and, and, and get in your face. And he, you know, that, that was his strong point. And, you know, you felt like you had a love for comics when, when he came into the, when he talked and, and, uh, yeah, you know, but I, I, I think, you're, I think you're right. I, I think somebody in that role, anybody that you would put in that role, they're, they're scared. Anybody who could take that role, they're scared to speak out. You know, I don't want to, you know what, who's ever over Pamela Lyford. I know I've called you the devil in the past. Probably take offense to that. You probably have, I'm probably on your list. <laughs> Pamela Lyford has a list, everybody. It's a piece of paper on it. It says Jace. That's it. That's all it says. I'll take that job. Cause you know what? I won't care if, if discovery decides to fire me or AT&T decides to fire me, I, I, I will, I will bleed for DC comics. Yeah. I will try to steer the ship and, and do the best I can uh, not to give the fans what they want, but what the yeah. fans need. Uh, but that's, that's, <clears throat> that's what we need. You're right. We need somebody that can be the hype man. Like Dan used to be. Um, that's not, that will get in there and do the work and say, I'm going to do what I think is best for DC comics and for the DC comics fans. And I'm not going to worry about my job. Yeah. And because, you know, it's so funny because, you know, anyone watching this now or listening now, you know that if, if you read any interview that any publisher gives of any type in any type of uh, corporate hierarchy in any type area of publishing, the way that we YouTubers will we will dissect the hell out of a paragraph of what they say. Is it any wonder why that why they have lawyers draft? what they say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, that's how bad it's gotten because, you know, uh, now of course, you know, I, I, I arrogantly think that I, I don't do that. Nobody does that. Well, let's face it. We all kind of do that. Don't we? <laughs> so, it, you know, cause we dissect the hell out of everything everybody says. And then we, we judge the hell out of them. Uh, but at the same time, I, I do think there's something to be said. That's why, that's why there's a there's a healthy respect that I have uh, for for guys like uh, Didio who 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 weren't afraid to get into the trenches there and you know to me that doesn't whatever happened to the job title where to me you know that's that's that comes with the job I mean interact with fans not just I mean it's not all roses you got to inter you know when when you interact with fans it's the toxic ones too every now and then you got to confront you know and. Uh, it's omelets and eggs, you know, you, you got to get in there and, uh, you know, uh, you got to, you got to deal with the bad and wait for the miracle to happen. And that's, it's, I just, I just wish they were more, like I said, I, I wish, I just feel like, I feel to a certain extent that the, the, the corporations that, that DC and Marvel, the big two, they've almost given up on us fans. They're almost kind of sick of us. And so they're kind of disregarding us. And so, They've taken away our spokesman. I, I remember it's been solely a death by a thousand cuts. I remember we lost the DC comic message boards uh, after the, with the new 52 and, and they've slowly pushed away the fan and they pushed away the comic fan and there's a distancing. And, and now we don't even have somebody that who speaks directly to us. Now we got to wait and we got to have another person who's, who's given a special name and, and we'll just give generic comments in, in articles and, and it's just, it's, it, I, I feel that, you know, 
it's I don't know it's it doesn't feel the same as it did as as short as five years ago and it's the kind of it's a little bit uh it gets sometimes it's a little bit demoralizing as a comic fan <laughs> no it's usually it's usually demoralizing and it yeah it has everything to do I think with fan culture I mean you want to talk about dissecting what people say remember when and it wasn't even that DC, DC didn't even release these, right? It was at New York Comic Con in 2019. And Dan put up some slides in, in a DC panel showing the timelines, remember? And there was blurry pictures on like different. We were comic there. Websites. I was there. I was there with Trevor on New, yeah. New York Comic Con 2019. Yeah. October, and, yeah. yeah. And people took pictures of those blurry ass things and they put I was them up one on of them. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but my point is that other comic sites put them up and then try to dissect them oh they're doing this they're doing that blah 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 blah. you know before yeah. we even have a champ before 5g even really has a chance to get started yeah. people are already jumping to conclusions and people are already yelling and screaming online yeah. oh you're, they're doing this they're doing that blah 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 yeah, yeah. and and the problem is it, it it comes down to the vocal minority right like a very small amount of fans on on Twitter, let's just take Twitter for example. There's a very small amount of, of comic fans that are on Twitter. I, I've heard numbers anywhere from one to eight uh, comic fan, one to ten comic fans are actually on Twitter. So there's actually a lot more casual readers than you than you realize that are on there. Um, but they're not the ones making all the noise. And again, I think you know these are big corporations, and these properties are worth a lot of money um, in in the film realm and the TV realm and yeah, at the end of the day, you don't want to piss off your corporate overlords. That's what they're worried about. Worried about losing their jobs. So I get it, but you're right. Um, it does feel like the, that that pipeline, that that person, because at the end of the day, you no matter what, like if you if you agreed with something DC did or not, you always knew that Dan Didio was passionate about DC Comics and he, in you know, in a way, you you as a fan, you always you could always relate to him on that level. Like he was a fan of DC Comics. He happened to work there, but he was a giant fan of DC Comics. And yeah, we have no we have no one now. We have no one that's you know that level of excitement that's that's talking up the books. So again, rudder, rudderless ship. That's how it feels. Yeah, and. Uh... Yeah, it's it's you know again at least it we don't even have somebody for the movies like at least it, one thing Marvel has it, they have a huge speculation boom. Kevin Feige talks up the movies. When Kevin Feige talks, everybody uh, some comic some Marvel comic will shoot up in value because he mentions a new character or something. We don't even have that for the DC universe. I mean, I mean, we don't even have a spokesperson for the movies. And the the billion the movies that are making a billion dollars I don't I don't understand I, you know there I just don't understand I mean there really is something about about the corporate businessman are not how can they not know to to a point to, to get a spokesperson I mean good lord pay somebody if you paid good lord pay somebody thirty thousand dollars a year American they'll happily be a spokesperson or forty thousand I mean. I tell you what, pay me fifty thousand American a year to uh, wear wear a suit, and my cap, my you know, and I'll go out and I'll and just pay, give me all the free comics to read. Give me free comics to read, fifty grand a year, and I'll happily be your spokesperson. I mean, but you know, now 
Now, if you're a billion-dollar company, why not go to a, a good-looking actor, somebody who's, who is actually going to be in a movie or an up-and-coming entertainer or a wannabe host? I mean, the potential here is fantastic. Do that. I mean, nurture nurture your, your talent, your creative talent, uh, your spokesperson and everything. I can't believe they're not doing that. I, I, I'm stunned. I'm absolutely stunned. They'll do it for Comic-Cons and they'll do it once in a blue moon, but they won't do it for comic books. And you can link your comic books to your movies, your TV, your video games. I, I, I just, I can't believe this. They can't even keep a guy like Dan Cherry. I mean, I mean, come on. Like, I, I can't believe it, it, it's this difficult. But, you know, apparently yeah, it must it's, it's It's mind-boggling. And what's interesting is you wonder if, it, like, DC hasn't even got, like, they, they didn't even do New York Comic Con. They didn't do uh, San Diego special edition and and it's like they haven't had to do a convention since dan left because of the pandemic so like what's that gonna look like you know is it gonna feel half-assed i if they don't have somebody to to kind of replace dan that's exactly what it's gonna well and the people that knew how to take advantage of that are they still working for them i mean i know they laid off a whole pile a third of their editorial plus i who knows how much they actually fired i don't know but is there anybody left that actually remembers how it's supposed to be done or how did like uh they got rid of most of their event staff as well so that's what i'm saying it'd be i mean and the last the last year at that they did San Diego Comic-Con. They combined it with the Warner Brothers booth. To me, that was a nightmare. I've talked to people that work at DC Comics. They hated it also. The fact that they weren't in the comic book area and they were over back on the corner and felt like, you know, the, the redheaded stepchild that, you know, wasn't, didn't feel, they didn't feel welcome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was bad. It, it was bad. So yeah, it's, it's too bad. I, I would love to do it. They'd have to pay me more than 50. They'd have to pay me at least what I make now. <laughs> I couldn't take yeah. that big of a pay cut. Well, I'm going to I'm, I'm to pick your brain on something. Uh, uh, this Flashpoint Beyond pro- pro- project uh, with Jeff Johns, uh, Jeremy Adams, and Tim Sheridan. Uh, yep. they're, they're all sort of like co-co-writing it. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about it? Because uh, what do you think about the legacy of Flashpoint? Uh, it started off as just an event, for, a comic book event for DC, and it cer- certainly blossomed with its own cartoon movie and it, it's it's sort of uh, now it's it seems to have it the flashpoint timeline in dc just for those people who a lot of people don't realize this but the flashpoint timeline is not actually its own universe it, it was actually an offshoot timeline right now in the dc universe uh flashpoint batman shouldn't exist he's from a timeline that was in fact wiped out so why does he why is he still around in justice league incarnate uh, this is a this is one of the central questions. Flashpoint Batman, his timeline was wiped out. Why does why is he still around? Why was he even around for Tom King to use? This is a central question. Now it appears that Jeff Johns uh, is along with Jeremy Adams and Tim Sheridan. They're bringing the Flashpoint timeline back. So maybe it's going to be it, there somehow. It survived to be more than just a a timeline that should have died. It should have died but it's around. So do you think it's a good idea that they're doing this? And what, what's your general feeling about it? Well, my general feeling is, you know, and again, I can say this with the, the benefit of 11, well, 10 and a half years of, of hindsight yeah. that I, at this point, and, you know, again, the, the new 52 was wildly successful for DC. It put them number one. And, you know, Rocky talked about it already that might not have been a good thing, 
Um, but in a way, I almost feel like they DC should have just left well enough alone and let let Jeff Johns tell the story he wanted to tell, right? Like originally, Flashpoint was just supposed to be a Barry Allen story, you know, either told in the Flash comic, maybe you do, you know, a little bit of a mini event. Uh, you know, Dan got wind of it and said, "Oh, let let's use this to restart the whole universe, starting over with new number ones." DC either should have done that after Crisis on Infinite Earths way back in the day, like Marv Wolfman wanted to do. Now, I don't necessarily agree that they should have rebranded as action comics instead of detective comics, as DC comics. They would have been AC comics. That was probably a bridge too far, but they should have done it then because, as you know, Rocky, they had to then fix the continuity with Zero Out or try to fix the continuity with Zero Out because they had so many things that didn't work because Superman was never Superboy and then how do you have Legion of Superheroes? And yeah, it was just, it was a big mess. So DC finally got their way or Marv Wolfman, you know, his dream of starting everything over with number one, but man, how different would DC comics be if they, they hadn't done that? And they just said, let Flashpoint just be it's, you know, one and done self-contained story within the flash books. And that would have been fine. But obviously using that, using it as a linchpin for the new 52, which technically we're still in the new 52 continuity right? Like we haven't had some big crisis that's reset everything. We've had what I'll say is like some retcons or, you know, with, with rebirth and what have you, which yeah. introduced the idea of Dr. Manhattan messing with things, right? That's, that's basically <laughs> yeah. doomsday clock and all that. But again, because Jeff Johns has been working on TVs and movies and whatnot, yeah. and Gary Frank's not the fastest artist in the world. It took what, like almost two years for that whole story to, play out so then that caused scheduling that lateness caused other issues but the short answer is yeah how is it how is uh thomas wayne still around how's flashpoint ba batman still around well uh dr manhattan that's that's the short answer whether or not they should be doing this i i guess i'll go back to you know your answer if the story's good you know i guess so if it helps if it ties into whatever crisis is coming later on and what joshua joshua williamson is doing then yeah like is the crisis going to be is dr manhattan going to be the big bad of the crisis is this flashpoint beyond going to say oh look here's exactly what dr manhattan is has done you know is somebody going to be able to sit down with dr manhattan whether it be superman batman wonder woman or whoever and go maybe it'll be john kent if jeffrey thorne has its way it'll probably be john stewart whoever it is to sit down with dr manhattan and say okay you know what dude stop Stop messing with, you know, whatever you've been doing and put everything back the way it was before you messed with it. Then technically, wouldn't we be rolling everything back to pre-Flashpoint? Could you imagine if we rolled everything back to pre-Flashpoint? I, I think death, I, I think the lead up in a death mantle had something to do with it. And I, I think that, I think the offshoot of the Flashpoint paradox, the Flashpoint timeline, I think maybe gotten, is going to be be mixed in with the dark multiverse and maybe that's how it was salvaged a little bit. And, uh, and I think Jeff Johns is going to figure out a way to make it work because remember we got the flashpoint movie coming out, which is essentially like the, you know, the flash movie is essentially the movie version of flashpoint uh, really is what, you know, with a different Batman in it. And so I think that the corporate powers that be, they, they want the flashpoint timeline to actually exist probably in its own universe. And so that's, that's why, and you know this yeah but if you if you cleaned it up if you clean it up by the end of the year that'll be after the flash movie comes out so maybe if the flat if the flash movie cleans you know if it introduces the flashpoint 
but then there's resolution and it cleans it up, yeah. then why, you know, wouldn't you want to reflect that in the, in the comics? Like, I, I don't know, but I, I will say about as far as the dark multiverse, you're right. That, that has tied in. It comes back to what Snyder did with the omniverse and whatever. And I, I don't necessarily think that was the best thing. Like I mentioned before, but I'd be happy with the dark multiverse going away as well. Like, yeah, yeah some of the mashup Batman were cool you know, red racer and, and all that kind of thing. But I mean, I could go to the rest of my life without seeing the Batman who laughs and be perfectly fine. I, I don't, I don't really feel like the dark multiverse really adds much to the DC universe. And that's just personal. So. Yeah. Well, I want to, uh, uh, I'd like to, uh, why don't we, why don't we wrap things up here? Uh, I'll ask you. Yeah, one. did we mention? Did we mention all the news? Uh, we mentioned there's a new Birds of Prey coming in April. There's a new Birds of Prey yeah, miniseries. Yeah, who, who's writing that? Uh, so Shay Grayson. It's going to be drawn by Serge Acuna. Those are both females. Uh, I think Shay Grayson. I, I, she's a uh, an African American writer. Um, I think. I mean, the name looks familiar. I think she's done maybe some uh, something in some anthologies. Maybe uh, maybe she's done some stuff in in. Uh, Batman Urban Legends, I'm not really sure. But what was most interesting to me about the announcement um, is that who's going to be on the team? So the team's going to be led by Lady Shiva and Katana. So Katana, obviously, that's a familiar name to uh, yes. to Birds of Prey, at least you know the most recent iteration. But the other two members are going to be Miracle Molly and Ghost, which I thought was was pretty interesting oh that's 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 really interesting uh miracle yeah. molly I, yeah. I i actually that really intrigues me i really love that i love lady shiva and katana being on there and i i gotta tell you something lady shiva and katana i mean there's that classic outsiders uh cover where you know lady shiva killed katana at one point uh so they there's got to i know there's bad blood between them two so i'm not sure if there's going to be you know, you never know what the continuity is going to be, but uh, that's a very, very interesting lineup. I, I, I'm loving it though. I'm loving it. And and Ghost, is that Ghost as in? Uh, uh, wasn't that Ghost? I'm not sure. I'm not sure yeah, who that is. Another, I know. Like uh, that girl teamed up with Ghost a few times, but Ghost was from a different publishing company, wasn't it? I, I mean, there is a Ghost from Dark Horse. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the but, one. But I. I, that's not who this is. I, I thought we saw a character named Ghost some sometime last year um, that just showed up br briefly. So I guess we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Uh, other other recent announcements. I already mentioned the the whole speculation now that Lex Luthor is going to become Batman, which I really hope he does it because we saw him basically become a de facto Superman in the Dan Jurgens action comics run, and now he's going to be Batman because he's he owns Batman Incorporated or he's funding Batman Incorporated. Yeah. The speculation is Batman dies in the, the death of the Justice League. And so Lex Luthor, with all his money, just steps into the bat. Lex Luthor, no way can hold a candle to Bruce Wayne in terms of like physical fighting ability. Uh, something else we speculated on that I'll mention. We've uh, Rocky and I both really loved the Joker series from James Tynan. And we wondered if somebody would continue it after he was done. Because DC has said it was going to be an ongoing and continue after Tynan left. Now they're saying, no, that's not the case. It's going to end, but it may come back. Like they're calling it the end of season one, so maybe they'll bring it back at a later time. Maybe they're just waiting for the right idea. I really hope if they do bring it back, they'll keep it in the same vein. We like we've talked about. Tell us a story of somebody whose life has been greatly affected by Joker, like James Gordon has, 
because it's not a Joker title. So anyway, Joker's coming to an end for now. Um, Batman's coming back in April in Detective Comics, and Detective Comics for the first time in a, in years is going to be back on a monthly schedule, right? It's been bi-monthly for a long time. It's weekly right now with the Tower miniseries. Yeah. Um, so Bruce Wayne will be back in April. It's going to kick off with a three-part thriller story. Uh, and the, the other reason I mention it is there's going to be a backup uh, written by Cena Grace that focuses on Gotham Girl and her recent... Uh, attempts at rehabilitation in, uh, in Arkham. So, uh, I, Cena Grace is a very good writer when it comes to writing like trauma and emotion. So, and I think Gotham girl has a lot of potential, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, I mentioned, uh, at the top, we were, uh, when we first started about, uh, some crossover for CW. So there's going to be, uh, I think a three or four part yeah, crossover, um, with, uh, for the CW It's going to be called earth prime. Um, and they're basically going to cross over with a bunch of the CW shows. There's going to be a Batwoman issue. There's going to be a Superman and Lois issue. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't think they've announced. Oh, wait, here it is. Three through five will feature stories with Legends of Tomorrow, Stargirl, and The Flash. And they're all going to be written or co-written by writers from the show. So if you're a fan of the CW shows, this is going to be, for a lot of these characters, their first uh, appearance of the television versions in uh, in a DC comic. So Batwoman, Superman and Lois, Legends of Tomorrow, Stargirl, and The Flash. And it's uh, an interesting name, Earth Prime. Earth Is that Prime, supposed to be yep. like Prime TV? Because Earth, that just further, like for longtime readers, that's just going to add more confusion to, to guys like <laughs> me. Uh, because yep. Earth Prime was always basically like Earth 33, which is where... Yep where people where there were no superheroes on earth prime or earth 33 and now earth prime is going to be the cw why not just call it earth cw i i just i i, I don't know but i mean I, I mean i get it it's but everything now is geared toward the tv 99% of the people don't read comics i get it so they're going to look at earth prime and they're going to start associating earth prime with cw and i think that's uh well I'm biased, but I think that's a dumb idea. But maybe I'm yeah. too I'm too I'm too comic centric. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Call it call it something else. Uh, and then you mentioned this, and I, uh, I'll just shed a little more light on it. Yeah, there's going to be a a three part Flash miniseries called Flash: The Fastest Man Alive, and it's going to be a prequel, and it's going to help set up the events for the Ezra Miller film. Um, and it's going to be written by Kenny Porter who, again, name sounds familiar, but I'm not sure if I've read anything by him. Uh, and there's going to be art from Ricardo Lopez Ortiz, Juan Ferreira, and Jason Howard. They're each going to do one issue apiece. So, I mean, God, that, that that movie is not coming out till November. You can't give me one artist to do all three issues. I don't know. May, maybe based on the movie, they're going to be in, in different uh, on different Earths or different dimensions or different multiverse. So they're going for different uh, look for each one, but I just find it strange that they're choosing a different artist for, for each one. But it's interesting that tradi traditionally, I, I don't know what your experience is, but uh, or your opinion is, I in the past, whenever there's been prequel comic books, whether I remember the, the prequel comics, the Superman Returns, uh, I didn't find them all that particularly insightful. Uh, rarely was there ever a spoiler or any sort of Easter egg that yep. sort of hinted at, at anything in the movie. Uh, so 
um, my expectations for those that three issues is extremely low. Uh, yeah, agreed. But but I mean, it's not. I'm not to say it can't be a good story, but you know, the central conceit of a prequel to like a blockbuster, you know, movie should be well. Wouldn't it be nice to have a little bit of an Easter egg or a little bit of hints here and there, hinting at something that might be in the movie? I've never seen that yet. I don't expect to see it now. I've never heard of Kenny Porter. I expect, I suspect he's he's another screenwriter who's giving, who's trying his hand at writing a comic book. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll do, you know, hopefully he'll do well. That seems to be the trend nowadays. And, uh, well, it'd be interesting to see what he brings to the table. Well, what I kind of hope is that uh, that's where I've seen his name. So he did a story in the Are You Afraid of Dark Side? Oh, okay. Well. So he's done, yeah, he's done some anthology. He's done some anthology work for DC. Um, so what I kind of feel like is that this this series very, very may very well be not for us, but because we understand DC continuity, we understand multiverse, we understand alternate you know storylines and alternate versions of characters. And I, I sort of feel like with what the MCU's been doing with the variants and all that kind of thing, which remember when Marvel used to brag about how they didn't have a messy multiverse and now they're leaning into it. It's <laughs> yeah. so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. These Marvel zombies, this is so great, whatever. I'm like, you guys used to make fun of DC for doing this. And now it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what, it might be interesting if, if this prequel comic is an effort to kind of educate people, educate non-comic readers on some of the ideas of the DC multiverse before they go into the movie, because you're right, like Superman Returns and there's been X-Men ones and Spider-Man ones before prequels to these movies. And yeah, they're always very generic and don't really add anything. Um, but it would be great if if this one is is a little different in that there's a little more meat to it. And we got somebody like Ezra Miller or somebody else from the movie to come out and like do some advertising, do some marketing, do some promotion with Ezra Miller holding up those copies saying, hey, go read this three-issue miniseries before you come see my movie. Maybe we can actually get some some sales bumps. Maybe we can get some people reading some some comics after they go see the Flash movie because my understanding is this Flash movie, like you were saying, you know, being that it's kind of Flashpoint on the big screen, that's a complicated story. There's a lot of moving parts. And yes, they're going to simplify it for, you know, a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour movie, three-hour movie if it's going to be the same running length as the Batman Oh my God, I can't believe that thing's going to be three hours. But but this is going to be a complicated, Flash movie is going to be a complicated movie. So maybe they're trying to, to educate people beforehand, but it'll all be in vain if nobody knows about this prequel comic. So DC, Warner Brothers, AT&T, whoever, you got to get out there. Again, this would be a perfect job for that non-existent spokesperson. This should to be get free. Out there. I'll be blunt. They, they should give it away free, the digital comic. They should give it away free on all their websites should be free everywhere and yeah just i wouldn't give it away i wouldn't free at and, least the, and, at least the first issue yeah and 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 explain you know the background of maybe you know uh, assuming it's like the flashpoint comic which i don't expect it to be exactly but let's say it was i mean just a little bit of background on cyborg on wonder woman and and wonder woman and the the relationship between the amazonians and atlanteans and just you know explaining the flashpoint world a little bit you know and and the you know uh, martha and how thomas and martha wayne and martha became the joker like i mean you can you can give some you can get give some background that can be additive to the movie that that you don't that's not necessary to enjoy the movie that but might give you 
that additive feeling that you you're familiar with what's going on as you're watching it. And because there's a lot of people that really got into the Snyderverse and just love the Snyderverse who've never read a comic book. And they're so passionate about the Snyderverse. That's one of the things why the Snyderverse stood out. And, you know, uh, I'm getting the sense that this Flash movie might still have some Snyder, Snyder-like feel about it in terms of the way it's filmed and everything else. Because God, I hope same... not. Well, no, I know, but you know what I mean? It, it involves a lot of the same actors, right? I mean, Gal Gadot's coming back. I mean, a, a lot of the a lot of the Snyderverse characters, Aquaman, Jason Momoa, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, Michael Keaton's going to be in it, but so is uh, Ben Affleck's Batman. I mean, so a lot of the Snyderverse actors are in it. So it's going to attract the Snyderverse crowd, guaranteed, because there's the same actors that are in it. So it might. So hopefully it'll get the best of both worlds. You'll get the Snyderverse crowd because they're going to be attracted because it's the same actors. And but if it's filmed differently, and I know exactly what you mean when you say that, because I'm tired of the darkness of the Snyderverse too. Brighten it up. Give me a give me a battle in daylight for Christ's sake. I mean, I get it. Uh, but you know, hopefully we'll get the best of both worlds. So there's a lot of potential here. And to me, you know, uh, tying into your earlier comments, Chase, about how, you know, it's okay if comic books are a lost leader. Why, why not let them be a lost leader? Give, give, give away a free, the free digital comics on, on a prequel into the flash movie. Why not? If you're, if you're going to take a bath anyway, I mean, you really, so you, you sell 30,000 issues for, you know, or 20,000 forget about it write it off <laughs> i mean yeah th i mean that's at, at the end of the day you got to think of it like an investment you know yeah. like we we know we know that these okay what did i say earlier right spider-man no way home sixth highest grossing movie of all time like like yeah. 1.7 billion dollars it's made or something ridiculous right have, have, have the spider-man comics seen a bump at all from that in the last two months i don't think so not at all. And speaking of which, speaking of which, now let's flip flip the script. Look at Peacemaker right now. Peacemaker is arguably DC's most successful TV, you know, streaming uh, uh, attempt. And what has DC done? You notice that every single DC comic book has a has a Peacemaker cover now yep. from series. Yep. Why? I don't know about you, but. I think this is such a dumbfoundingly stupid thing to do. Why are you putting Peacemaker on a cover of every comic? You, I mean, how many people are going you to... You're going to piss off customers. They're going to go buy a yeah. Wonder Woman comic. And if they see Peacemaker on the cover, can you imagine the disappointment that if some kid flipping it open, he sees Wonder Woman in there? I know, okay, now it'll say Wonder Woman on the cover. But what the hell is Peacemaker doing on the cover? I mean... Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I agree. don't understand. Because they're going to so read it. They're going to read like, the comic. Yeah, they're going to read the comic thinking Peacemaker's in it and he's not going to show up. I mean, you're going to look as a speculator. I mean, sure, as a speculator, I can say, oh, I want to get every Peacemaker cover. And, you know, don't don't get me wrong. I'm crazy enough. I just might do it. OK, but I'm just saying that for you, know, you're, what are you actually trying to cater to? I mean, I don't understand the, these guys in suits. If you want to attract a larger audience to comic books, I, I don't. I don't know. Some guy sitting there, so oh, Peacemakers, uh, it's a great TV thing. So oh, you know, let's put him on the cover of every comic book that comes out. Who like is Marie Javins? I mean, the buck stops with her. It, what what sense does that make? Like, I just I'd like to see a, be a fly on the wall and explain that to me. You, you think that there's enough speculators out there that you know this this is really worth it catering to the catering to the fifty thousand speculators out there? And 
I, yeah, I don't know. they're catering. Just... Yeah, they're cra- they're catering to the crossover crowd, the people that that read the comics and watch the TV shows. That's who that. That's, that's a small that's crowd, for. and that's not how oh, you're yeah. going to grow a base. You, you grow a comic base. I, I that's just it's just nuts. I don't know. At least they're putting out a a, a, a Peacemaker one shot this week. Yeah, that's and 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 I read you. You have you read that yet? No, haven't. Yeah, read it yet. I have. Yeah, I actually didn't mind it. I, I didn't mind it. It was. Uh, yeah, it was, it was not bad. It was not bad. Garth Garth Ennis was is it writer. It was a, uh, yeah, it was a, a little bit kind of a, kind of like a kind of a creepy ending, uh, but he, he definitely has his own version of Peacemaker. That's yeah, that's the thing. There's so many. There's so many different versions. My my version is always the one that showed up in Vigilante. That was like super insane and super violent, like Punisher on cocaine. Um, which is not the John Cena version, yeah, and not and and the the version that we've got in Suicide Squad from Robbie Thompson right now is sort of seems to be in the middle. Yeah. You know, he's not quite as violent or insane as the one that showed up in the late '80s in the Vigilante comic, um, but he's certainly not the humorous John Cena version. Uh, but I'm I'm fine with the version that we have right now in, in Robbie Thompson Suicide Squad. I mean that. Yeah. I don't think enough people talk about how good that Suicide Squad book is. And again, again, like we had the Suicide Squad movie from James Gunn that everybody loved. Yeah. Did we see Suicide Squad? Is anybody talking about uh, Robbie Thompson's Suicide Squad? Because I'm, I'm not really hearing it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree with you. More people should be talking about it. And for what it's worth, Garth Ennis is uh, Garth Ennis's uh, peacemaker in the in that Black Label series that we're going to be reviewing. That's a fairly humorless peacemaker. <laughs> That's not John Cena's. That's fair. Just a fairly like I like one. it. Yeah. Just uh, like I like it. Yeah, a little far more serious. And uh, But uh, in any event, I, I think that uh, any, you know, ah, well, I, I lots to cover for DC. We, we covered a lot. I, you know, I'm still, there's always something to read. There, there's lots to read. There, there's, there's so much to entertain. Uh, you know, it's funny because you know, I don't know how you feel, but when I, when I sit down to read the DC comics for our DC weekly spotlight, there's always at least six or seven DC comics that I definitely want to read. And even this week with 18, I mean, I got a list of them all here, and I, I look at them, and there's at least, there's at least, there was at least eight that I definitely wanted to read. I don't, I don't buy all 18 comics, but I, uh, you know, there's overall, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not unhappy with DC. I mean, the fact that I got eight solid reads in a given week for DC, I think that's pretty damn good because, and sometimes I realize how spoiled I am and, and that's how come sometimes when I sit back and whenever, whenever we have a, uh, you know, sort of like a heart to heart, heart like this, where we're kind of like, we're giving DC the gears. The truth is, goddamn, some of these I'm inter- I'm being entertained by some of these. I'm loving action comics right now. DC vamp, DCV vampires. I'm I'm loving, I'm I'm loving it. I'm enjoying Detective Comics. I love Peacemaker. Robin Ten. I thought's good. Superman seventy eight with the callback, call, with the with the callback to Christopher Reeve. Great, great, great series. I'm loving Human Target. Tom King's Flash seven seventy eight again. Jeremy Adams. There, there's, a, there's, a, there really is a lot to love here in the DC universe, and that, I, I end with that because, that is the true spirit I think of what they were trying to go for with the DC omniverse when they said that everything matters in the sense that there's something in there 
that something matters in all this for everyone. And they're, and even though it might feel like they're throwing shit at a wall to see what sticks, well, at least some things are sticking. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and there's, you know, some of it might smell, but even the scent ain't too bad. <laughs> Their shit doesn't always stink. Yeah. I mean, there, I would be reading most of it, even if, you know, we didn't get the, the press copies. Yeah. Uh, I had to, if I had to buy all of them, I'd probably be reading like maybe nine or 10 titles yeah. um, of, that were coming out this week. Um, yeah. And if we weren't reviewing them and I could just read what I wanted to read, I'd probably read about 13 or 14 of them. There's probably only three or four where I'd, I would skip it yeah. if, if I wasn't reading it so, so that we could review it. So, yeah, I mean, the vast majority of it's really good. And some of it is really, really good. Like, yeah, in fact, when I finished reading DC Vampires, I went and looked – I'm like, do we have a preview of the next issue yet? Because <laughs> yeah. I wanted the next yeah. issue immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was so good. So, all right. Well, all right. Well, I guess that's gonna do it. You got anything else? Uh, no. I uh, I think we 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 talked ourselves out of DC, and then uh, I guess we'll. Uh, I encourage everyone to uh, hit the subscribe button. Uh, follow uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, uh, follow me on Twitter at Metropolis Forty. Hit the subscribe button here for Comic Boom uh, exclamation mark and uh, follow Jace at the Comic Source podcast where this with, this can be heard and uh, tune in. I guess it'll be late tomorrow evening or early Monday, early Tuesday morning for our weekly DC Spotlight. Yeah, and don't forget about Spawn Daily. Uh, we finally missed a day. Sorry I didn't have one up for you guys uh, on, on Saturday, but uh, it's back. Yeah. And I uh, promise we'll have them up for you uh, this week. And, so be sure and, and check those out. And also check out my uh, interview with Christopher Priest that's up today as well. Yes, for sure. And definitely the Jeremy Adams is going to be coming out on Thursday, that, that interview. Yep. I also want to say that I do intend on joining Jace again for the Spawn Daily. Uh, I just had my, my daughter has been uh, diagnosed as a diabetic. And so the last few weeks I've been in the hospital where my wife and I are just learning the the learning about carbs and the, the different food groups and we're trying to get our daughter and so we're in out of the hospital so everything's fine uh we're just on a learning curve there so i uh jace has been pretty good at uh understanding that but i do intend on getting that and putting up uh jace's uh reviews of the spawn spawn dailies and i'll be on top of that so no worries there <laughs> so all right sounds good thanks for joining us everybody we'll talk to you next time but you can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.